Within the contemporary European uh, plein air painting movement of the late 19th century, this idea of being true to oneself and one's artistic ideals was closely allied with another important area of the artist's pursuit, and that was the artist's pursuit of truth in nature. The desire to achieve a profound and, and lasting communion with nature was a guiding ideal of the European plein air movement. And in its own way, this ideal informed the painting practice of Tom Roberts and his fellow artists in a small patch of still uncleared bush in Box Hill, a Melbourne suburb which had only as recently as 1882 been connected uh, by railway to the city. Well, the available documentary evidence supports the idea that in their Box Hill landscapes, the artists wished to express a sincere truth through their art. So uh, the artist's sincerity of purpose seems well spoken for on the historical record. What complicates all this is the nature and meaning of truth. Just what was the truth that Tom Roberts, Fred McCubbin, Louis Abrahams, Tom Humphrey and Jane uh, Sutherland wished to reveal in their Box Hill landscapes? The idea of truth becomes more relative and, and multivalent when we examine the Box Hill period more closely. Now, the artist's aim of going directly to nature and capturing her essence involves a desire, a desire that carries with it its own concomitant lack. The desire for truth, an artistic impulse, an artistic impulse towards something that can never reach complete fulfilment in reality, this desire for truth can only ever manifest itself as yet another manifestation of desire, an expression, a sort of ongoing expression of an elusive, unattainable quest. It can never find complete realisation in concrete terms, though it remains, as I said in the, the outline for the uh, talk that I'm giving here, it remains a motivating ideal for the artist. So desire, one could say, is ultimately fluid and unfathomable. In the pursuit of truth, that truth of nature, plein air painting and impressionism had introduced quicker techniques for laying down paint strokes or dabs of pigment in response to what the eye perceives in the face of nature at a given moment. And Gerard, uh, in his talk, looked at uh, Vaiteria, which would be a good example of that. But the time process involved means that a painting can only ever register an accumulation of these successive moments. And as I tried to argue in my catalogue essay, the rendition of nature on a painted, painted canvas or perhaps on a, a little wooden panel never, can never really present a moment of pure perception. It can't present that moment of pure perception because the process of perception itself is informed in varying degrees by prior knowledge and experience. So I think we simply have no choice but to consider the cultural knowledge and experience that Roberts and his fellow artists brought with them to Box Hill. Their response to Box Hill was inevitably informed by and coloured by memory and experience. 
Moreover, they went to Box Hill seeking something. They were looking for something. Most obviously, they sought the wholeness and completeness in nature that they imagined uh, were lacking in the fragmented existence of city living. So they, they held expectations of Box Hill as a place, expectations which they wished to be met. At the same time, it needs to be said that uh, these expectations made them positively receptive to what Box Hill could offer. So memory and desire, I'm trying to suggest, can be seen as twin sisters in their Box Hill venture. Now, the uh, three iconic works that you see on the, the screen here, I hope I get my visual test right, the Summer Morning Tiff McCubbin, uh, by Roberts, McCubbin's Lost and uh, 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 Roberts, um, uh, The Artist Camp, all 1986. The, these three iconic works um, approximate most closely to what we could call a distinct Box Hill style. And in the, by the mid-1880s, uh, mid to late 1880s, critics, local critics were trying to locate some sort of sense of a Box Hill style in the work of Roberts and his uh, fellow artists. Now, this in turn sets up the question of just how important is a sense of place in the Box Hill style. Could place somehow influence or even largely determine the formation of a set of stylistic characteristics that have become associated with a Box Hill style. The uh, shared stylistic characteristics of, of these works are, are quite obvious, and uh, I thank Jared, Jared once again for doing my hard work for me. He, he ran through a number of them in his talk. But as you can see, we have a, a concentration on closely related tonal values. Uh, it had the catch cry at the time of uh, relative values. You have the, the selection, the very intimate, close-up focus on the scene, and just a small patch of sky glimpsed uh, on the horizon above the trees to suggest the possibility of a wider context for the scene portrayed. Gerard drew attention to the um, uh, use of the, the uh, saplings as a sort of framing device. In, in the picture, and in particular in these, they're used to, as, as a point of uh, drawing attention to the human figure as a focus of, uh, of, of interest in, in, the, in, in the scene. So when we look uh, closely at the Box Hill pictures, we can see the artists in the process of actually adapting their individual painting techniques to suit local conditions of foliage, uh, vegetation, uh, colouring and so forth. But uh, we also note that the pictures are uh, generally conceived within the parameters of quite distinct pre-existing stylistic uh, conventions and subject genre. And in this sense, I don't think that Box Hill can claim to have given rise to uh, those particular genre and stylistic uh, techniques even if the artist once again adapted and modified them to suit their particular purpose. Now, following uh, my idea or hypothesis that the artist's response to Box Hill is shot through with what I've just called or, or, or dubbed memory and desire, 
I wonder if we wouldn't be better off moving away from a narrow conception of, bo of a Box Hill star and, and instead thinking more generous, generously in terms of the Box Hill pictures representing an historical Box Hill moment in the development of Australian Impressionism. And by this I'm, I'm suggesting that the Box Hill pictures can be seen to come into being in response to a nexus of concerns. Most importantly, and, and admittedly, a response to the specificity of Box Hill as a place, but also to the parameters of contemporary style and subject conventions, and to manifestations of memory and desire. Memory and desire are, are of course, held both collectively and individually. Artists share in the public memory of their time and partake of some, or possibly uh, many, of their society's general desires and aspirations. As artists, though, it's their particular gift to be able to provide meaningful individual articulation of aspects of what we might call the collective unconscious of their society. The 19th century naturalist tradition, uh, which uh, very clearly influenced the uh, Australian uh, Impressionists, uh, was strongly invested in a sense of place. The challenge for the artist was how to best convey a sense of commitment and allegiance to a particular sense of place, and that commitment and allegiance to, to place had to be conveyed through pictorial and artistic means. My first example here, or the example I'm looking at here, is not actually a Box Hill picture, uh, but in the Darabin Creek uh, near Alvington, where I just happened to, uh, to, to, to live. But it's not there because of those reasons, but because um, some aspects of this type of painting are going to be carried through to the Box Hill uh, pictures just, uh, uh, just uh, a year or a few months later. Uh, the scene, as you can see, is conceived very much within uh, the Barbizon tradition. It presents a quiet corner of nature. The scene is very homely and uncomplicated. It presents a sort of type of view that would engender feelings of familiarity amongst uh, Melbourne audiences of the day. The scene is deliberately prosaic in its treatment. But the paradox is, of course, that the, that impression, that sought-after casualness and freshness of, of observation, that, that feeling that, uh, of having captured the present moment on canvas, that sort of casual uh, uh, observation has to be carefully contrived by the artist. And you can see uh, Robert's uh, rather wry humour at work in the, in the picture. The artist is shown perched on his stool with one leg splayed out to, uh, to the side. Um, we notice the way these sort of fence posts teeter you know, almost drunkenly off, off vertical. And then we work out the presence of yet another artist there in the mid-distance. It's as though visually we're allowed to discover the, the presence of that figure. The, 
The title of this work, like the previous work, Winter Morning After Rain, Gardener's Creek, uh, denotes a specific time, season and place. Once again, there's that sense of particularity which the artist is trying to suggest in the way in which he portrays his observation of the scene. What we have here is a, a moment in rural life, an unpretentious moment as a man on horseback drives cattle across the old wooden bridge. The composition uh, does seem indebted to uh, James McNeil's whistless um, paintings and etchings of old Battersea Bridge, but once again, I think Roberts is deliberately prosaic in his treatment. I couldn't help being impressed, having looked at this picture quite a lot, by Roberts, uh, once again, his rather dry, laconic humour. Uh, in a way, Roberts forces us to read the picture in a certain way. So you have the presence of the two cattle moving from right to left, up in the top register, and then when you look down in the, in the mid-distance, once again, two cattle still facing the same way, and then further into the distance, yet, 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 yet another uh, cattle. Um, and so we're somehow, and I think there's a sort of irony in this, that we're encouraged to read the picture in a certain sequential order as the eye moves rather unusually from the top of the picture down into the, into the distance. Well, I spoke earlier of the uh, uh, artist holding expectations of Box Hill and the famous scene portrayed in Robert's um, The Artist's Camp could be uh, interpreted or even accused of being the result of, of a highly selective vision. As I, I mentioned, what we actually see here is just a small patch of uncleared bush in a settled uh, agricultural district. The artist's cl close focus emphasises the intimate seclusion of the bush while censoring out the intrusion of that wider outside world. But on the other hand, what is acknowledged in this picture is that what, what we have here are city bushmen, city dwellers, intent upon enjoying the solace and recreational pleasures of nature. Uh, we have the uh, uh, figure there of uh, Louis Abrahams cooking the chops, McCubbin sitting down. Uh, and they're also, uh, I think, uh, which is wonderful about the picture, a lot of sort of make-do aspects in it. So that, um, I don't know if you can pick it up, presence of an umbrella, a brolly, leaning against the, uh, the tent, a garment sort of draped over the tent side, the canvas sort of just propped up. And I think it's uh, uh, ironic that, in one sense, this Australian icon, icon has, uh, uh, in one sense, uh, much to do with the idea of casual improvisation. Tom Roberts uh, uh, acknowledged that he was drawn to Box Hill by old association on his return from England in uh, 1885. He'd actually known the Box Hill district since he was a boy of about 14 years of, uh, years of age. And uh, Roberts' wood splitters, or charcoal burners, uh, presents a pertinent example of how me memory impinges on the artist's conceptualisation of place. In the mid-1860s, Box Hill had been predominantly a timber-felling timber district, 
but it had become, with the clearing of the land, an agricultural district by the 1880s, by the mid-1880s. So when we look at this picture, we might wonder whether or not it represents Robert's yearning for the community of an earlier Box Hill, that Box Hill of his youth, when the cyclical rhythms of rural life and labour still seemed intact. So is Robert's Lane claim here to the past, claiming his stake in the recent history of the locality? And I think, too, it's interesting how we read the lush fecundity of the scene here rather differently from the artist's camp. It's as though that, 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 that fertile vegetation takes on associations, a sort of a nostalgia for older, better days. Well, as uh, these are very famous works, and both of them carry uh, narrative and literary associations. The artists, uh, through their, their wide reading uh, and uh, through the uh, moving in the circles of other uh, uh, poets and, and writers, the artists bring their literary uh, bring these literary associations to their vision of the landscape, and through doing so, add another dimension to it. But in the final analysis, I tend to argue that the narrative import of, of these subjects is, re is relatively inconsequential compared with the visual immediacy of the moment portrayed. That visual immediacy lends them what I'd describe as an emblematic presence. What they're doing there or what's going to happen next is perhaps immaterial. What they do convey is the impression of an unassuming naturalness. And they've subsequently become uh, great visual icons partly because they emanate this aura of, of innocence and timelessness. But once again, the, the visual immediacy of the images has been very skillfully contrived and manipulated by the artist. Uh, for instance, Virginia Spate has drawn attention to the way that Roberts, as it were, reconstructs the very processes of vision in his picture so that the eye it continually shifts its perceptual uh, focus, pausing here and there on, on a more sharply uh, uh, observed detail. I've always been glad that this picture isn't dated uh, precisely uh, because, uh, for my purposes, it does announce a deepening of a poetic tendency that enters Melbourne art around about 1887-1888. Uh, the portrayal of the tremulous light of the eastern afterglow signals an involvement with what I describe as the passing moment in time as distinct from the, the immediacy of the single visual moment in the images that we just looked at. And here we need to see these works in a wider cultural context, for in the, by the late 1880s, artists had begun to question the nature of visual truth. In the late 1880s, European plein air artists had begun to question the, that tight, rather literal plein air naturalism of Jules Bastien Lepage, uh, and, and Jared showed us a number of his works. They questioned that and, in fact, returned or, or, or were more in favour of evocative styles and, as they saw it, a larger truth represented by the works of the earlier Barbizon master, Jean-Francois Millet. 
Uh, in particular, here I'm referring to Millet's uh, very loosely painted, uh, or much more loosely painted, peasant subjects. Well, Streeton's uh, evening with bathers uh, shows us a poetic twilight scene which uh, possesses very little or perhaps nothing of the robust vitality and hedonism of Roberts' uh, earlier The Sunny South. In The Sunny South, uh, Daniel's going to speak to us about this, we have nude youths basking in a sun-drenched local bayside uh, landscape. Rather, I'd argue that uh, in Evening with Bathers, we can trace a link with the traditional pastoral idyll. And that's revealed in, in telling details in the uh, picture, select details of the rustic setting, such as the broken down old, old fences next to the limpid waters of the creek in which the youths bathe, or in the presence of that part moon caught in the, the, the moment of its melting beneath the distant mist and cloud. The transit effect here, uh, I think, also registers the complementary influence of, of Whistler's nocturnes. Critics noted the uh, harmonious and, and um, subdued colouring and uh, general mystic indistinctness of um, Jane Sutherland's numb fingers working while the eye of morn is yet bedimmed with tears. Here, and I checked this out, I was very careful, I, I went, had to check this out this morning looking at the picture, uh, but there is just the faintest uh, suggestion of a, a faintest sort of glimmer of a crescent moon visible in this uh, early morning sky. Now, Sutherland's uh, sympathetic rendering of the young girl's gruelling labour, uh, I'd suggest, approaches the attitude of human fatalism that informs Millet's uh, peasant subjects. So, in one sense, there's a sort of acceptance of the girl's fate rather than a sort of uh, an indictment of the cruelty of labour that we might find in an artist like uh, Corbet. Well, the pastoral vein uh, takes the desire for the passing moment, it registers its transience, and then metaphorically extends it backwards into an idyllic past. The pastoral simultaneously celebrates and mourns the passing of time. It nostalgically celebrates the, the sorry, it, it nostalgically underscores the viewer's sense of his or her own mortality. The pastoral, I think, is a, is a good genre to look at in the way in which it evokes memory and desire for its meaning and effect. Yet it's in the nature of the pastoral as a mode that the truth that it alludes to cannot be realised in the here and now of the real world. Rather, in the pastoral, meaning is deferred onto another ideal world, hence the pastoral idyll. My comparison, by the way, is with an uh, a, a English artist, uh, George Hemming Mason, who uh, 
in the, in the late 80s, he died prematurely, but in the late 80s he had a sort of major reputation in terms of, of uh, this tradition of the poetic pastoral uh, landscape. I'm going to end with a comparison. Oh, sorry, no, here we are. I'm going to end with a uh, comparison of these two images, which form something of a coda to my arguments regarding memory and desire. On the most superficial level, and I mean on the most superficial level, uh, these subjects have certain uh, uh, landscape features in common, from the compositional role of the water, the interest in a particular time of the day, and perhaps even down to the rustic effect of broken-down old fences. But how different they are. They're miles apart, they're poles apart. The concern to convey the here and now of the present in the earlier uh, Roberts image has given way in the Streeton to the evocation of an, of an idyllic past through alluding to and evoking the pastoral mode. 